So this morning, we are in a series called Life with King Jesus from the New Testament Gospels, and we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And that sermon, well-known sermon, starts with what are called the Beatitudes. So we're going to jump right in with having these words read. Kathleen Saylor is going to come up and read them for us. If you have your Bible or device, it's Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. And they'll be up on the screens, but again, Kathleen will be reading for us. Thank you. Good morning. It looks a lot different when you stand up here (laughs) than when you're sitting back in your seat. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You are the salt of the earth, but when good salt, good is salt, what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Great. Thank you, Kathleen. So these are very well-known words, right? I'm sure many of us in here, if not all of us, have heard them at some time or the other. Um, they're well-loved, but at the same time, and, and you would have probably just started to feel this way, as we reflect on them, you realize that they are both amazing and, and comforting, but challenging in so many ways. They they just tear into us the more we reflect on them. I taught through the Sermon on the Mount a number of years ago and took my time going through the Beatitudes. But every every time I read through them, these these sayings of Jesus, they challenge me afresh. And and I just have to wonder what did he mean? What does that mean? How how do I do some of this stuff? How do I take it in? So that's what we're going to be looking at today, the Beatitudes. But let me back up, just say a few things about the Beatitudes themselves that this sermon starts with. The word Beatitude itself, it's derived from a Latin word which means blessedness. And you would have seen um, that each of the sayings starts with that. God blesses those or blessed are they. Um, And since the 4th century, that's what these sayings have been, um, been called. So again, verses 3 to 12, eight sayings, 
And the New Living Translation that we're using, it starts, God blesses those. And again, some quality or experience that Jesus says is blessed by him. Now, they also describe rewards for his followers. Most often future, although some of them, they're talked about as present. This is something that will happen now if we're following these things. The blessing described in each of these eight sayings could be said to come from the character or the experience uh, itself, as well as the reward that it describes. In other words, the poor in spirit, the first one. Those people, the people who are poor in spirit, are said to be blessed, not merely because they're poor in spirit, but because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So it, it all ties in together. But it's important to talk about what blessed means. Literally, the best way we can understand it is that God extends his favor or his benefits. Different from a lot of times that we think of as blessed, but it's when God extends his favor or benefits. And this is where it starts to become really apparent that the Beatitudes blow apart our usual thinking about what it means to be blessed. That was true back in the time when Jesus was given them, and it's definitely true for us today. And so there's a challenge with these Beatitudes. Back in in Jesus' time, the religious factions among the Jews of the day, they held varying views about relating to God and other people. And there was something in their expectations that Jesus shattered with these sayings because they had ideas of what the kingdom of God was like, or the way Matthew describes it, the kingdom of heaven means the same thing. But who would get in? And that's what Jesus begins to shatter. Now, I can't make this up, right? In Jesus' time, this is what the religious leaders thought, this is who they thought was going to get into the kingdom of God. You had to be Jewish, and we can understand that, right? But you had to be male. And again, I can't make that one up, but that's what they thought, right? Half the population's left out. You had to be religiously upright, so that would knock out some other people. You had to be healthy. You, you couldn't be sick with some long-term illness. So again, some of us know what that's like, right? That would knock some more people out. But you also had to have a decent income. In other words, looking at it from the other side, if you weren't Jewish, if you were a female, if you were not religiously observant, if you weren't healthy, and if you were poor, basically, you were out of luck. And so Jesus is saying, no, (laughs) no, no. This is what it really means to be blessed, and this is what it means to get into the kingdom of heaven. Now, we may not think in that very same crass way about how people get into um, what we more normally would call heaven, but in our day, it's more the way the word blessed is used. Because we often think that someone is blessed when things are going well, when they have a nice house, their health is good, their family's getting along, and so on. Isn't that right? We, we all hear it. Now, here's the thing. It's right to acknowledge God that way, okay? So when things are going well, to say someone's blessed or to say that we're blessed, good. The problem is, if you, whether you say it verbally or you think it, if you say that someone is not blessed or I am not blessed when there are struggles to keep up the mortgage or the rent, When you're dealing with illness, when family relationships are frayed, that's when it goes wrong. 
Again, it's, it's our view, our expectations. And so again, Jesus clearly challenges us here by saying we are still blessed when things don't go well. We are. We may not feel like it, but we are. He says we are, we are blessed. So if we sometimes lose sight of what God's view of being blessed is about, this will help to restore the right view. This is what Jesus, I think, is especially after with these Beatitudes. So what do the Beatitudes mean? Here's the crux of what can make us wonder how to understand them. Some people have read them as, here's the way to be blessed, that you need to be poor in spirit, um, you need to be humble and gentle, and, and so on. And I think there's some truth to that. The problem is, with some of those qualities, yes, they are, they are good in themselves, and we're told in other places to follow them. The problem is, that leads to difficulties, because then it's far from clear that some of the other qualities that are in here, like mourning or being persecuted. In other places in the Bible, God doesn't say, yes, you should mourn all the time or you should be persecuted. No, it's more those things happen. We have times when we mourn. There are times when things don't go well because of our faith. Um, And so it seems like as we look at those things, What Jesus is focusing on is not so much do this, right? I I think we can learn from that, and I think some of those things we can take it. But more more of his point is to say, here is what it means to be blessed. Here is who is going to get into the kingdom of heaven. I see you, Jesus is saying, I see you as blessed. You are my child. You are part of the kingdom of heaven, even if things aren't going well. You, You follow I think this is what Jesus is really after. In contrast to what others see as weakness and things to be avoided, he's saying, I won't avoid you for those things, but I'm extending my favor to you, even as you may be suffering. That's what he's after. And this ties in actually with Jesus' broader message, as well as many places in the the whole Bible. Um, The people that his culture despised and turned away were the ones he went out of his way to welcome. And it was about a year or two later in the Gospels, in Matthew 21, Jesus made a very outrageous statement. Um, I think it still sounds outrageous even to us. He said, I tell you the truth, this was to some religious leaders, I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. And they would have thought, what? We're religious. We're leaders. We're the good guys. But he's saying, no, not if you are seeing other people in, in downcast ways, if you're following the culture, if you are keeping people out, which is what they often did. And Jesus is saying, look, these are the people that are going to get in before you. So talk about turning things on its head. Um, that's exactly what Jesus was doing. Now, before we take a brief look at each of the Beatitudes, we're going to just take a break here. I'm going to show you a, a clip of a film of a portrayal of Jesus giving these sayings, these Beatitudes. It's from an old BBC film called Son of Man. And it was used in a book and curriculum. Some of you would be familiar with the writer Philip Yancey. Um, he had written a book called The Jesus I Never Knew. But the curriculum that went with it, what he did is that he took film clips from a whole variety of, of different films about Jesus and used them to illustrate what was being talked about. And that's what we're going to look at. 
I think you're going to be struck by what you see. Now, it's, it's old, it's black and white, okay? But this is not the... Many of I was looking for other clips of the Beatitudes, and they always had little birds chirping in the background in this beautiful setting, and, and a, sometimes a blonde, blue heart, blue-eyed Jesus. And it's like, oh, come on. Jesus wasn't blonde, blue-eyed. God, get off this. Um, this film shows a very dynamic Jesus. So I hope you'll enjoy as, as we watch. Again, about two minutes. What if a Roman soldier was to do it? Oh, turn the other cheek. Turn wow. the other cheek. No. Pray for your enemy. Love your persecutor. He is a man as you are man. It is easy to love only those who love you. Would I, would I come to tell you easy things? No, no. Do you want me to tell you easy things? No. 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 Are you not the generation who are waiting for the sign? Yeah. Yeah. Are you not they who must make the past. I tell you, it is hard to follow me. For I say to you, love your persecutor. Look, I say to you, if a man in authority orders you to walk one mile, walk two miles. If a man sues you for your coat, give him the shirt off your back as well. Look, do not advise, do not judge your brother. Do not abuse him. I tell you, it is hard to follow me. You have to be a better man than the doctors of law before you can enter the kingdom of heaven. Give when you were asked to give. Forgive so that you yourselves may be forgiven. Oh, I tell you, I know, I know, it is hard. And you are weak. And you're oppressed and you are poor. Look, listen to me, listen to me. Blessed are the poor. For they shall see the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who sorrow. They shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. The earth will belong to them. Blessed are those who seek justice. Justice they shall see. Blessed are those who show mercy. Mercy will be shown to them. Blessed are the pure in heart. Because they shall see God. That's not your nice, normal, (laughs) little portrayal of Jesus, is it? But I think this gets more to the heart as the Beatitudes, and and it mixed up some of the Sermon on the Mount, but the Beatitudes at the end and just how radical they were, and they did not (laughs) follow the usual pattern of that time. So we're going to take a brief look at each of the Beatitudes. Again, if you have your Bible or device, We're going to just look through each of the eight. It's got to be a brief look. We just don't have time for more than that. And you'll realize that we we could spend a whole lot more time with it. In fact, we have an adult class going on right now that is looking each week at one of the Beatitudes. Um, Carl Ginder and I were talking about it last week, and we said, well, I guess we're not going to steal each other's thunder, so we'll we'll find out um, when Carl's in here in second service. But you'll, you'll realize there's just a whole lot that's here. So the first Beatitude, it speaks of the poor in spirit. Now, the New Living Translation says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This is often, and I think rightly understood, as another way to speak of humility, and yet it goes beyond humility. The term for poor is very strong, more than usual in the Bible. So the intention is more like this, blessed are the miserable. And you think, what? 
<laughs> What's that all about? But I think that's some of his intention. Again, turning things on its head. Yet even to that extent, for his people who are poor in spirit, to the point of being miserable, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Second beatitude, those who mourn. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This might be the most paradoxical of the Beatitudes because it seems to say, happy are the unhappy. It's sort of what, what it seems to be saying. Now, some people, um, I think, use this thought of mourning for sin, and I think there's, there's an element of truth to that, but it's, it's just in general. Blessed are those who mourn. But I think the idea here is mourning in the sense of realizing themselves to be children of the one who did not run away from pain, but he sent his son into our world for all he would go through. And for such people, Jesus promises they will be comforted. Now, you notice it doesn't say when, but they will. The third beatitude describes those who are humble and meek. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. As people did in Jesus' time, many people today see meekness and humility as a quality of weakness. And I think we do. We just think, ah, who wants to do that? Who wants to be that way? But it, it misses its value because there's actually a lot of strength for those who are this way. One way it's seen is in the lack of a harsh or rude spirit with people. It's sometimes allowing our own strong opinions or views to be subordinated to someone else. Sometimes it could just simply that we are to remain strong but not force that strength or authority on someone else. That's what meekness and humility is all about. And the promise for these people is another paradox. Builds on a promise in Psalm 37. They will inherit the earth. And the paradox is this. What the powerful and dominant want, they won't get. Those who don't look for it, they're going to get it. They're going to inherit the earth. And again, Jesus turning things on its head. The fourth beatitude speaks of those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and justice. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. This is one of those revealing beatitudes about our true spiritual condition before God. We all understand hunger and thirst, right? It's every day, every day, sometimes a few hours, we understand it. But this is hungering and thirsting for something much more. With righteousness and justice, Jesus is speaking about a seeking after what is right with God. That's the most basic sense of it. What is right with God? Right living, right thinking, and concern for issues of justice. That's what he's after here. And the promise for such people is that they will be filled. It's in the kingdom of God. This is not probably going to be a current one. In the kingdom of of heaven, that is when, in that perfect setting, all righteousness and justice will truly be fulfilled. Fifth beatitude. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy is is that quality of showing compassion and kindness to people. Usually when someone's in a difficult state or they're in a a special time of need, and so you go out of your way to show them that compassion, the, the mercy that they so much need. And so to his followers who know their own helpless state before God and in reliance on their gratitude to others, Jesus promises that they will be shown mercy as well. Again, at some point, this could be right now, in the future, but mercy will be there for people who are merciful. The sixth beatitude, 
God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Now, this is probably one of the most unreachable beatitudes on the surface because we all know ourselves. Are we pure in heart? Man, I wish I could say I was. Purity, oh man, I, I know my own motives. Sometimes I don't even know my own motives and, and I mess up. Uh, and this one just seems so, so beyond the, the pale of what we might realize for ourselves. So what did Jesus mean? The word for pure here is where we get our word catharsis from, right? You know what a cathartic experience is. Something that's cleansing, it's, it's just cleaning things up, right? And so the idea here is that He's looking for a heart that is clean and undivided in devotion. And just like a cathartic experience, it's as like it's, we know that our own heart is not pure by itself in any way. But we, through confession, we recognize that God can cleanse it. He can bring forgiveness to us. And so for those who are pure in heart, Jesus promises they will see God. Pretty astounding thing. The seventh beatitude, God blesses those who work for peace or the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. We can say that a peacemaker is someone who's actively involved in bringing opposite sides together to bring reconciliation and understanding. And it can be found in large-scale ways. Good thing there are peacemakers in our world. I think things would probably be even worse um, than they sometimes are. Um, And sometimes it can be just on a very individual basis and anywhere in between. We all know how things are in, at, with personal relationships and pe- sometimes the people closest to us. And a peacemaker is something that is, is great. It's bringing the good news of peace through the gospel or the good news of bringing peace to bickering people. <laughs> Just that simple. And the promise for peacemakers, they will be called children of God. And the phrase conveys the meaning from that time and culture of honor and privilege before God. And the final beatitude speaks of the persecuted. Again, one of probably the more difficult ones here. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You see, there's never been a time when anyone who's believed in God has not faced difficulties. It it sort of goes with the territory. There are times it's not so bad, but other times it is, and sometimes we just don't understand. Between people and the devil, it's, it's just going to happen. But Jesus is, is saying here, for those who, again, God doesn't promise an easy time of it, but those who are going through difficulties because of following him, they are blessed. God is still extending his favor and benefits to them. We may not feel very blessed, but in a very real sense, we can be very deep inside. And as was promised to the poor in spirit, the promise here is that theirs will be the kingdom of heaven, sharing in God's rule of everything on earth from his place in heaven. So eight sayings, these eight beatitudes. But then we have to think, all right, what do we do with this? Um, we're still left of that, with that difficult question. What do we make of these things? Now, it's not an action question. How do we put them into practice? Jesus isn't saying, do this and this. He's not saying that. Um, It's more a view. It's an attitude. It's what we see with ourselves, what we see with others, and and then where where we go from there. 
Um, we still have to wrestle, though, what do we make of these things and what does it mean for us? Above all, what we need to say with the Beatitudes is that these qualities of Jesus, even if they don't fit well into our culture, and they don't very well, but they still need to be taken seriously. In other words, we can't ignore them. Well, we can, but we shouldn't, right? And I think where it comes into, into play is that sometimes we think, I can't do this. Or it's just so different. We, li- we live in a tough world. We just do. And if I am doing, you know, being this way, I'm going to get run over. And this is where I think sometimes we, we just go with it, but we have to take them seriously. Um, we can't ignore them if we're serious about our faith in Jesus. The challenge is that, again, they run counter to our culture because this is the world where we go to work and where we go to school, where we live every day. But here's the thing. There's never been a time since when Jesus said these things that that hasn't been true. Every culture, every culture is not following these things. And so every generation of believers in Jesus has had to wrestle with this. What do we make of these things? What, what do we do? And so a couple of things I'd like to say, one in a broad way and the other more local in how we can hopefully put this stuff and just make sense of it for ourselves. First one is with our American culture. See, our, our thinking often is, blessed are the strong, blessed are the powerful, right? It's, it's just, it's, it's our culture. It's not saying that they're wrong, it's just this is what our culture is. And it's not because strength is wrong, because it's not. But when, here's the point, when we exert our strength to bully or put down or ignore the people that are hurting, the kinds Jesus is talking about here, that's where it becomes wrong. So really, ideally, in a, those who are in a, a position of strength, and we all are at times and at times we're not, when we're in that position, what we need to, to be alert for is our concern for and active care of those who are not strong and that they are not demeaned any further. And so it means that we need to stand up for those who have no voice. And I'll just throw some out here, right? The sick and weak, the unborn, the refugee, the special needs child. And I could go on and on, right? A lot of people without much voice, and that's what we need to stand up for. Jesus is calling us to this, um, and we can't miss it. On a local scale, I want to mention an example of it. It's what's called the Home of Hope. And if you've been reading your bulletin or been um, getting some emails, you're aware that we are in the process of uh, getting a house that provides transitional housing for families that are either experiencing homelessness or they're facing it. Now, I've mentioned before from up front that I take calls from people in the community, um, regardless of, of church connection or not. Um, I'm the person that gets calls. I have a cell phone, one of those old flip phones. <laughs> I got the cheapest phone I could, keep it in my office, and I'm, I take calls. On average, I get one a day, all through the year. So that means over the course of several months or over the course of the whole year, I'm talking to a lot of different people, and this is just locally. And here in Lancaster County, and, and really Lancaster County is doing well on the whole. Most people work hard and all of that. But there are regularly calls that I get from people that are either homeless or they're facing 
homelessness. They've, they've got an eviction notice. Just on Wednesday, right? Take a call. Woman, somebody else pointed her my way. And one of my first questions generally is, where do you live? You know what she said? In my car. And that just deflated me right there. It's like, what do you do? What do you do? Someone's living in their car. Now, fortunately, it's a little warm still, but the weather's going to get cold soon. She's living in her car. So as one way of addressing this need that we have in our community, we're getting close to having this house ready in Mannheim. We are working with Erisman Mennonite Church and several other churches in getting the house ready. Um, we're getting close. Hopefully, in, uh, at the beginning of November, the house will be ready for a family. Uh, we also work with Love, Inc., um, the organization, national organization, but with an office in Lancaster. The intention is to provide families a place to live with minimal expense. They do have to pay something. They would also be given a mentor and a budget coach to meet with regularly, and it would be for four to five months. The intention is to get them back on their feet financially with some guidance with a mentor and budget coach so that when, at the end of that four to five months, they will be able to be in their own home. They'll have rate, or saved enough to have their first month's rent and security deposit. Again, it's, it's about as practical as it comes. And for us as area churches, it's been awesome to see the calls I'm getting, the emails I'm getting from other churches that are helping because we're furnishing a whole house. Um, it's, the house will be fully furnished. And that's obviously a lot to pull together, but we're, we're getting there. Um, it's just an amazing way for us to provide tangible assistance for people who normally would just simply be pushed aside by our society. I mean, what do you say to someone who's living in their car? Well, I want to be able to say, look, we've got a place where you can stay. And that's what we're after. Um, there's still a registry of goods, actually, that Anna Horst put up and, and made. There's still a few things we need, but we're, we're getting close to getting it finished. And we're going to have some of those goods actually on a table. Um, hopefully, between services, we'll get that out there. So that's one way where we're trying to take the people that, would not be seen in in a very positive light and doing something tangible. And so these Beatitudes of Jesus, these amazing sayings, these challenging sayings, they remind us of who's really blessed and who's invited into the kingdom of God. It's not the ones most people expect. Because again, Jesus turned any expectations, both then and now, right on their heads. And so we need to remind ourselves when we and anyone else in those difficult places, we may not feel very blessed. And you might look at someone, you might think they're not very blessed. But how does Jesus see them? And that's what this is all about. And we need that reminder desperately. We're going to close by reading the Beatitudes together again. But we're going to use a new translation I came across recently. It's an author named Brian Zond, who's a pastor and author in Missouri. And so they'll be up on the screen, and we're, um, we're going to just read them together. And this is how we'll close our time together. So will you join me as we read? Blessed are those who are poor at being spiritual, for the kingdom of heaven is well-suited for ordinary people. Blessed are the depressed who mourn and grieve, for they create space to encounter comfort from another. Blessed are the gentle and trusting, 
who are not grasping and clutching, for God will personally guarantee their share when heaven comes to earth. Blessed are those who ache for the world to be made right. For them, the government of God is a dream come true. Blessed are those who give mercy, for they will get it back when they need it most. Blessed are those who have a clean window in their soul, for they will perceive God when and where others don't. Blessed are the bridge builders in a war-torn world, for they are God's children working in the family business. Blessed are those who are mocked and misunderstood for the right reasons, for the kingdom of heaven comes to earth amidst such persecution.